Welcome to CareerPod, brought to you by Transition Solutions. Your host for today's episode is a member of the CareerPod team, Mr. Jim Scott. In today's episode, Jim talks with Frank Bergen, a marketing executive. Frank talks about his early influences in his family's business, his early career chapter in the U.S. Navy and what that taught him about leadership and motivation, and the time he spent at a very large international consumer products goods company as a marketing professional and a marketing executive. He was focused on new product development and introductions and really understanding customer segments. Finally, he shares his thoughts about working for a big multinational company and a small entrepreneurial business where the founders still had a voice and a presence. He talks about the differences in structure, resources, how to influence, leadership styles, and the role legacy ownership played in a smaller business. He talks about the skills necessary for success in these various environments, and he passes on some really good insights into the field of marketing, but more importantly, how to navigate organizations and how to lead and motivate people and understand markets in a variety of business environments. We hope you enjoy the program. Well, today we're joined by Frank Bergen. Frank is a senior marketing executive in the consumer packaged goods industry. And Frank, uh, welcome to CareerPod. Happy you were able to join us today. Thanks, Jim. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Tell me a little bit about your early life, um, growing up, your education, things that may have influenced you toward getting into the career that you chose in marketing. So I have always wanted to be a, uh, to build and run a food business since I was a teenager working in my family's uh, bakery during the summers up in New Hampshire. Uh, and I've had some fantastic, uh, but also bad and downright ugly experiences along the way that, you know, I think will really help me when, when I am uh, running that company. Uh, the ugly was that uh, that summer bakery uh, that my family uh, ran absolutely got run down into the ground, went bankrupt, caused an enormous amount of uh, family strife, uh, and really actually wound up firing up in me this desire to understand business at a much deeper level. There really wasn't any uh, uh, business people in my immediate family. So uh, that was very influential. Um, the, the bad, uh, well, I thought it was bad at the time, was I was a naval officer for seven years, and my first assignment on the destroyer was that I was in charge of the sewage system. So it was uh, it was a shitty job, uh, but what I came to realize was that motivating uh, a group of uh, 18 and 19 year olds to take pride in ownership in a uh, sewage plant was just absolutely outstanding training for uh, getting a cross-functional team uh, to uh, launch new products later on in life. So I had other great naval experiences too, but that's definitely one that shaped me. Uh, and then the good, I, I really had two parts of my CPG career so far. The first 11 years I spent at uh, Kraft Foods, uh, you know, building, uh, running, growing, uh, everything from iconic businesses to some startup businesses for them. Uh, Ritz crackers, macaroni and cheese, Jello, Post cereals. Uh, and balance bar, for instance, and then I, I've I've spent uh, you know, eight and a half years in a you know much more entrepreneurial environment here at Eglin's Best. So, uh, big company and small company. So, uh, that's me. That's that's me as of today. Well, that's an interesting transition, Frank. Um, working for a huge multinational company 
and then going to something smaller, uh, smaller in scale for sure. And um, you mentioned more entrepreneurial. Can you describe some of the differences between the two? Oh, it's night and day. Um, really is. Uh, and neither one is good or bad. It's just uh, very different. Um, so, you know, I guess if I go back to one of my last, uh, my last assignment actually at Kraft, I was in charge of our uh, bars and natural and organics portfolio. It was the smallest category uh, in in the uh, sector, uh, but it, still it was a category. And I reported directly to the to the sector president, and I remember him telling me, you know, that there were some reorganizations coming, and that we'd have to get used to uh, doing more with fewer resources. And I remember thinking, well, I, don't, I don't really have that many resources, anyways. Uh, how, how are we going to do that? Uh, you know, fast forward a few years, and I'm outside of craft, and and I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, I was blessed with so many resources, and the resources are the the people and the wherewithal uh, to do things there. So if we if we wanted to launch a new product, uh, which we launched a, a ton in, in that uh, category, you know, there was somebody who was responsible, uh, whose whole career was focused on consumer research. There is somebody who is responsible for working directly with co-manufacturers. There's somebody who is responsible for uh, forecasting and logistics and somebody who was the quality person and R&D. So there, you had functional, deeply talented, uh, experienced uh, people who were on your team. They also had a boss who you know, was a functional boss. So that was the matrix environment. Um, and, and, you know, we, it, it took a while for things to, to happen there, but when, when they did happen, there was a powerful group, uh, and we had resources, you know, we, we had, uh, you know, budgets available to, to do a lot of things with, uh, you know, my, my time here at Eglin's Best, we're launching a lot of products and almost all of those activities I just described, I don't have a cross-functional team and, you know, it, it's me. And if it's not me, then I need to go out and find somebody to, to help me on a, you know, on a part-time basis, do some of these things. So, uh, that moves very quickly. There's not a lot of coordination or matrix and competing, uh, voices. Uh, but also it's just me. Uh, so, uh, well, or, you know, a, a small, much, much smaller team uh, doing those things. And so, uh, you know, the pros and cons of each, it, it kind of all depends on what your, your personal preference is. So in a matrix organization, how many bosses did you have? Well, I had one. So I just reported to the sector president. Uh, I had a team of 35, 40 people. Um, so I, I had a marketing team that directly reported to me of 12 people, four of them were direct reports. Um, but then say that, you know, my, my senior finance manager, they had a heavy dotted line to me. We worked together every single day, but then they would also report into the finance head of the sector who would then report into the sector president. So that's kind of the nature of the matrix. That person, that finance uh, person kind of had two bosses. I had one, but they had two. So, you know, if, if I really wanted to <laughs> use a naval an analogy, but if I wanted to turn the ship, uh, I needed to make sure that not just my team was on board, but all of the, the matrix heads, 
the functional heads also understood where the ship was turning and so that they weren't telling their uh, matrix cross direct reports uh, to kind of go against the flow there. And, and that's what takes so much time and effort in a big organization is there's just uh, it's not that anybody wants to go slow. It's just it takes uh, a lot of time and, and communication and understanding to to get everyone aligned and um, kind of marching in the same direction. Let's, let's talk about some of the lessons you learned from your military experience in terms of leadership. Yeah, uh, you know, being in the Navy was, uh, I always say, that that's where I got my, my real MBA, my leadership MBA from. Uh, I did, towards the end of my naval career, get an MBA at uh, Fordham University. And when I started out at Kraft, I figured that the, what I had learned at Fordham uh, with the traditional MBA is what I was going to re- really rely upon in, in that uh, first job. But come to find out, it was largely what I had learned in the Navy in terms of leadership that, that really was what uh, served me well at, at the beginning of my career there. Um, you know, the military is, it, it's, it's not what a lot of people w- would think it, think it is in terms of leadership styles at work. Um, it is not barking orders at uh, at your direct reports, the sailors that that work for you. That doesn't work. Uh, you know, it, maybe it works uh, when you're under attack, when there's bombs raining down, but it certainly does not work when you're trying to get 18 and 19 year olds uh, to take pride and ownership in a sewage plant. Uh, so the leadership style that that I saw and that I had an awesome opportunity to hone was one where you share the vision of where you know the ship is going and where your department fits in that mission and you know ask uh, and seek out uh, input from all of those uh, you know folks that are in, in in on your team or in your division um, and really let them know that you're listening try to take their suggestions wherever possible and usually they're really really good um, and if not you let them know you know that they've still been heard uh, and you know, constantly provide the feedback loop. You know, here's where we are. Thanks to your hard work, we're making progress. And and that's really the open, communicative, um, collaborative leadership style that I learned in the Navy. Uh, not the you know authoritative, authoritative uh, command and control that that you might see in the movies. So, mm-hmm. and you've probably seen a few managers along the way in your corporate roles that applied what people might think the Navy is really all about when it comes to leading. Yeah, uh, definitely. And, and it's almost like uh, the, be- the better the MBA uh, school that somebody uh, joined craft from, or not just craft, but I'm sure it happens all over the place, um, but they would have that much harder time you know, kind of acclimating uh, you know, they come in and they've been told for a number of years and, and, and not wrongly, but they've been told that they are really gifted and that they're going to you know do great things in the business world. And they show up and they're, you know, leaving a scorched earth behind them. And they're just not really they're not really understanding that that, you know, they need people to be on board. They need people to collaborate with them and to, you know, at least respect them, if not like them to, uh, to really go far in, in the corporate world. And it usually takes, 
you know, one or two projects and, and, you know, some feedback for them to realize that they can't just run over people, that they really need to trust the their experience and, and leverage it uh, and not try to, to always be the smartest person in the room and, and telling everybody what to do. So a lot of the same mistakes that a that a, a new naval officer coming out of the Naval Academy uh, might make where they think they can just order everyone around, where some of the people you're ordering around, as, as they would tell me in the Navy, you know, they flushed more water than you'll ever sail over. Uh, and, you know, so, <laughs> so you really have to, you know, they might not have, they might not have the broad perspective and the understanding that you do, but, you know, functionally, they certainly know way more about the you know navigation system or the weapon system or the 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 radio that you're you're in charge of at the time uh, than you ever will and, and it's the same thing in the corporate world when you have somebody who spent you know but 15 years in logistics there's no way you're going to be able to um, you know compete with them um, and, and so you know my my approach was always to ask questions and not to make statements. Uh, was seek to understand what they were seeing and not look for opportunities to point out where they might be making a mistake. And and that, that seemed to serve me well. That's great. Well, let's move back to your current role. Um, tell me about the things that the experiences, uh, the abilities that you've developed um, that, that help you to attain success in this role. So um, it, so I'm at Eglin's Best. I've been here eight and a half years. And Eglin's Best is a really unique company. Um, yes, we are a branded food company, but we're not a traditional uh, consumer packaged goods company in the sense that Kraft is. So um, we own a patent and a trademark uh, for making better eggs. And we are the number one brand of eggs in the United States. But we don't own any farms. We don't own any chickens, uh, no trucks. Uh, we are a marketing and sales uh, company with a quality enforcement arm and obviously some you know finance folks to, to help us uh, run the businesses but there's you know 40 people less than 40 people actually in the total company um, so my role here is to create new revenue streams for the company at, at this point um, and so uh, a lot of what I did at craft um, which is, uh, you know, developing, uncovering consumer insights, you know, things that make a specific segment of consumers tick and understand what they're looking for, what their unmet needs are, how they live, uh, and leveraging those insights to, to build better products in this case, but ultimately also uh, better brands and better communications with them. Um, I did all of that at Kraft. Um, you know, on different brands, whether it was cream of wheat or Jello or Kraft macaroni and cheese, uh, but now I'm doing it here in, in the world of eggs, um, and and you know, it, it's thrilling. It, it's a little more frustrating at times because I don't have all those resources, but it's also um, thrilling because it hasn't been done, and um, and so it's exciting to be able to to bring new products to to, to life. How old is the company? So the company has been around since um, the brand itself has been around since 1992. Uh, the company first got started in the mid to late 80s. Uh, the concept came to the U.S. from Mitsubishi, believe it or not. 
um, they're you know large Japanese holding company. They were trying to get American farmers on board in the in the late '80s. There, not getting much traction. So they brought some American investors on board who tweaked the concept because um, the the idea of a, a an enriched egg is what they call it. Um, an enriched egg has been around in Japan for 40 plus years, um, but they needed to make some changes here. Uh, in the U.S., which they did. The brand that in initially launched was Heartland's Best, and it had a little heart stamped on the egg. Uh, it was out in a couple test markets and met some success. And then the FDA got wind that somebody was stamping a heart on an egg and kind of making some heart-healthy claims about eggs, and they immediately made the company pull product from the shelves and discontinue it because everyone knows that eggs aren't healthy for the heart, which which is not the case but uh so they quickly had to relaunch and it, it went back out as eggland's best and um you know the rest is history so just since i've been here eight and a half years the company is tripled in size we were just a little over 300 million when when i joined and now the the brand is over a billion dollars that's just eggland's best sales at retail we have a number of other brands uh, as well um, but yeah, it's, it's been, it's been a great, been a great ride. Are there any of the original, um, founders management team, um, legacy people that are there that you're working with today? Um, so uh, there are a couple, um, so we have 10 franchisees. Most of them are multi-generational family owned and operated companies. One of them is a public company, CalMain Foods. Um, but there are family members in most of those companies who have been around since the very beginning. Um, and then in in our company, in Eglin's Best, uh, the CEO and uh, newly appointed president, uh, who was our CFO and COO, they were not the founders, but they've been around since the be since the very early days, very beginning. Um, so they're they're founder esque, um, and and so they've they've seen things from putting paychecks in, in uh, drawers to the business that it is today, which is really exciting. So what I'd like, what I'd like to hear from you about them is uh, what it's like to be in a smaller entrepreneurial company, uh, working side by side with people who have been there essentially from the beginning when you join the company later uh, in your career. Yeah, you know, uh, it's, I get asked this question a fair amount, and I'd say that you know, coming from a big company like Kraft, um, you know, large company, uh, everyone there for the like virtually everybody there, it's a it's a um, it's a job, um, and, and not to say that people don't take it seriously, uh, that it's not there aren't passionate people there, but it, it's a professional business company. Um, and there's a lot of resources and there's, you know, for instance, there's HR, there's, uh, th there's, you know, every function and, you know, it's run very professionally. In my experience, when you come to a smaller entrepreneurial environment, it's not so much a business as it is a, um, it's like a family, yeah, it's like a family enterprise and there's a strong sense of ownership it's not about the business being successful so much as it is making sure that the business survives and thrives so that they can pass it down to the next generation. Um, or if it's, you know, in the really, really entrepreneurial stage, it's can can this 
can this idea, this business even fly? Can it keep flying? Whereas when you're at a craft, it, it's, you know, can we grow? But there's no, you've never any question that, that the business isn't going to be around tomorrow or that it's going to fail or um, that, you know, it won't be around for the, for the next generation. So that's part of it. Um, you know, but that produces a very different atmosphere. And, you know, when you have a more entrepreneurial environment with people who are really dedicated uh, to the business's success, um, you know, they and with not as nearly as much resources, they're expecting everybody to do everything they can to make that business successful. And if that means, you know, taking out the trash and, you know, coming up with strategy for the new products, that's what you got to do. Um, whereas in, you know, a more larger company environment, everyone is very, very specialized. You know, there's a marketer, there's a finance person, logistics, um, and everyone is focused on being the best they can be in that one, that one area, um, just as much as they are focused on the business. Whereas in, in the smaller environment, it's all about making the business successful first and foremost, and worrying about the, the functional area that you're in secondly. What are your what is what are, are the roles that you're uh, cast in at this? Point? Yeah, so I'm creating brand new products, brand new egg products, and expanding our brand geographically, and also creating uh, brand new businesses beyond eggs uh, for Eggland's Best. So, um, you know, part of my job has been I, just a couple of years ago. Uh, I spent six months uh, in. Japan, working on our brand that we'll be launching there next year uh, with uh, Japanese franchisees. Um, part of my job has been launching things like liquid egg whites with uh, you know partners here in the U.S. since we, we didn't have that capability. So, um, you know, just this past year, we launched uh, egg snacks that are they're kind of like Lunchables, uh, but with eggs and, and other ingredients in them. Um, so there's a number of other, you know, products that I'm working on that, that, that are going to be like that and things that are not branded Eglin's best that will be outside of eggs. That, that is, that's really exciting. So I work with a lot of, uh, other companies and potential franchisees to help them understand the Eglin's, the power of Eglin's best and our business model, and then developing, you know, brand new businesses, uh, for, for the company. Doesn't sound like you have a typical day or a typical week. <laughs> I uh, I don't. I I really don't. Uh, which is great. It, it I, you know for me I, I love that um, that it's very varied. I mean marketing and brand management, at least the the marketing and brand management that that I grew up uh, doing, is always been attractive to me because it's both right brained and left brained. Uh, you know you need to be able to. Uh, crunch numbers and work through a you know ten tab spreadsheet, uh, but you also need to be able to give comments and get very creative uh, on you know you know advertising or packaging designs, and that's two very different skill sets. And, and the variety is is what I thrive upon. It's the same thing in my days. Uh, I love having different challenges and, and learning something new every day. What what do you suppose provides you the greatest satisfaction in your work? Oh, the, geez, the the thing that I I love the most is, especially in the job I'm in now, is uh, walking into a grocery store 
and seeing somebody pick up a product, a new product that that I've launched with, you know, with a team, um, but is on the shelf and somebody comes along and says, oh, hey, this is pretty cool. I'm going to buy this. No greater sensation. Um, to them, it's just a, a new product on the shelf. To me, it's, you know, a year plus of my life and a lot of efforts and challenges and decisions. And uh, But it's really rewarding to, to see that happen. So. Any product launches that didn't go quite so well? Oh, boy. Uh, I mean, I've certainly been part of some that were, um, yeah, that were not well conceived. Um, I, when I worked in post cereals, um, we were trying to grow uh, and do anything we could to um, get in the good graces of this new retailer in Arkansas called Walmart. And uh, the Walmart cereal buyer uh, was known to love uh, movies and blockbusters. And so we negotiated the rights to uh, an upcoming summer blockbuster, The Hulk. Uh, and this was before the the current Marvel uh uh, films version of Hulk. It was the Eric Bana version, if you if you remember it. Um, but it, in order to take advantage of that, we launched uh, Hulk cereal, and uh, it, it it was almost as bad as the movie. <laughs> it was, it was just absolutely <laughs> terrible. Uh, we had it was kind of like a Lucky Charms type of cereal, but we had we did not spend enough time on product development and uh, thinking through it. So we had. Uh, green uh, marshmallows, you know, marshmallows with green food dye that turned the milk the most disgusting color of green. And it wound up there was probably too much food coloring. So, yeah, after people ate it, that yeah, it was in their system. Let's just leave it at that. So, yeah, that was not a, that was not okay. a real successful launch. Any frustrations about being in marketing and product development, product launch? Uh, marketing is as much as it is a science. It's it's also an art, and and thus it's at times very subjective, and so it can become frustrating when um, there are there, you know there's people above you who don't necessarily share your same view of the opportunity or the consumer or the um, the you know the creative elements uh, or decisions that you're that you're trying to make. That's that's really frustrating. Um, you know, you're, you've spent a lot of time and effort getting to know the, the consumer you're targeting, the category you're playing in, the products that you're developing, and and, and all all it takes sometimes, especially in a in a big, huge matrix company like Kraft, is you know somebody who's removed from all that to say, yeah, you know, that doesn't feel right to me. Let's let's not do it. That's incredibly frustrating. So. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's probably the frustration number one. And, and interestingly, over the years now, in big food, uh, you know, like Kraft, uh, they've they've realized that they are probably because of that effect, but they are really not good at launching and developing new products. So they've taken to buying new companies that appear to be successful in their early days, and and bringing them into the portfolio as opposed to. Um, kind of growing from within. Uh, and, and again, it's probably because there is that, um, it's just so easy in that environment for for somebody to squash an innovation that, you know, a startup company um, would flourish with. So, 
How important do, do you believe uh, mentors are along the way in a career? And have you had any that uh, have had a, a, a major impact on, on your yeah, career? Yeah, they are invaluable. Um, and I've been um, the beneficiary of having a couple of fantastic mentors. And I've also felt what it's like to not have mentors. Um, so I'll tell you, my in my early days in the Navy, uh, I had, it was my second captain on my destroyer. Um, he was just a fantastic leader and somebody that I learned from and I continue to try to emulate every day. Um, and he really looked out for me. Uh, he went to the same college I, I did that might have had something to do with it. But uh, really, uh, he took an interest in me. And, and quite simply, I would not have had the experience that I had on the ship and beyond the ship. I mean, he really went out of his way to make sure that, you know, my next assignment was was a, a good one. And he, you know, he, he stayed in touch with me and, and and kept me on a great path. So that was awesome. And I've had similar type of mentors during my during my marketing uh, years as well at Kraft. But I've also found myself at times at Kraft uh, in particular where um because I, I moved a couple times in craft from uh, one division to another, um, where I did not have that person ab- above me. Um, I didn't have that mentor looking out for me, and it, it I definitely felt it. Uh, there were peers um, or initiatives that just didn't get track that that were getting better traction than I was. Uh, and advancing at times faster than I was because uh, I didn't have that, uh, you know, that mentor, that uh, that supporter who was, you know, looking out for me, um, you know, both in terms of coaching, but also in terms of championing um, me and my projects to, to others in the organization. So just vitally, vitally important. And have you had an opportunity to mentor some people coming along behind you? I, I try to. Um, and it goes back to, you know, Navy days. But when I left, when I first joined Kraft Foods, I I got hired through a uh, organization that specialized in taking junior military officers who were just leaving the military and going into um, you know, Fortune 500 companies, and they've been incredibly successful. But the, those people in Kraft who had gone the same path, they really looked out for those of us who were just freshly joining the company because they had gone through it. They, they knew what a culture shock it could be. Um, and, and so you got used to looking out for, um, you know, the, the new junior military officers at craft, but, but then you realize that it was something that you needed to do for, for everybody in your organization. Uh, so I've always tried to help out whether they are direct reports or, or, or folks who had reached out for help, uh, and I've continued it, that to this day. And, the, you know, the other points in my career where it really came into focus was, you know, when I left Kraft, I realized how important it was to kind of go out of your way to not just say, hey, let me know if I can help, but actually, you know, take steps to help people to, you know, sit down and, and meet with them and then introduce them to to folks or, or, you know, give them insights that they wouldn't otherwise had as they were going through transitions because it was invaluable to me. Um, and, and so I've continued to try to do that along the way. And as we close out our discussion today, Frank, any final words of advice 
for someone considering a career like yours? You know, I, I would I would say that if you love uh, if you love using both sides of your brain uh, and, and you love uh, coming up, bringing brand new ideas uh, into the world, then yeah, marketing is a is a great place to be. Um, yeah, I always look at my job as kind of being the hub of the wheel, um, working with all all sorts of different functions, and um, you know it can be a great ride. It, it, there is also a fair amount of responsibility that comes with that, but uh, it, it really can be a great experience. Um, and at the heart of it all is just learning how to uh, un- understand how consumers are thinking and acting and what's motivating that. Um, it's probably the same thing that uh, makes a great leader, which is understanding how to motivate uh, um, and what makes people tick who are in, in your in your charge. It's the same thing that makes a, a good marketer, who, somebody who can understand what, uh, what consumers are, are looking for and then providing it. Well, Frank, thanks very much for joining me today on CareerPod. Uh, look forward to talking to you down the road once again someday. Okay, great. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate it. Go Red Sox.